Man, really good to be back. Really, really good to be back. We had, uh, we had such a good time in Hawaii. Uh, I'd like to confirm before we get into this morning's message. There's a reason people go to Hawaii. It, it's really that good. It really is that good, and we had so much fun. Um, we rode around the island, and uh, there's waterfalls everywhere in Hawaii. Um, went snorkeling a bunch. Um, my wife was completely freaked out to snorkel, decided to snorkel on the very last day. We go outside of our condo, literally less than 100 yards from the room that we're staying in. She goes maybe 20 yards into the ocean, starts floating up and down, and underneath her swims a seven-foot sea turtle. That's amazing to me. There are creatures. That thing was probably 200 years old, you know? That's what Hawaii is. So you go out, you put your face in, you can meet animals. And um, one morning, uh, Ray Ray and I, uh, we went out snorkeling at this place called Honolulu Bay, um, which is this major snorkel slash surfing spot. So when the water's calm, you snorkel. When the water's crazy, you surf. And uh, it was calm, so we went out and, you know, we're looking at all these fish and we get caught in schools of fish start swimming around us. And then Ray taps me because, you know, you both have your face in the water. And through his little snorkel pipe, I hear him mumble, um, eel, you know. (laughs) So I just turn around and put my face in the water. There's a moray eel, you know, the green, ugly things that that always do this. (laughs) And that was cool. And then the eel starts swimming at me. And so I have a six-foot moray eel running right at me. Uh, Dr. Ray said that I was skipping across the water. (laughs) As I tried to escape from it. So those are the highlights. Um, no need to mention the lowlights. But it's really good to be back. Um, nothing like vacation, but there's no place like home. Seriously missed you guys. Felt it. Every single week that I wasn't here, really felt it. And, um, but one of the things I love most about this fellowship is that I can leave and nothing changes. It's a really good sign. Like, I leave, and Dusty smashes it. I'm gone another week, and Andrea smashes it. I don't know if you heard the messages they preached the last two weeks. They're incredible. And uh, we're just really deep right now, you know, and I, I love that. Uh, if I get hit by the bus, this church isn't going anywhere. we got, we got great people who can do what I do. So it's a, it's a good thing. Am I overselling that again? Slightly. Um... Yeah, really happy to be here. Awesome. Jesus is so good. I feel a little rambly this morning. I'm I'm two weeks out of practice, so you'll just have to bear with me. Uh, But if you want to, open up your Bibles to Matthew 28. I know we're in Daniel, and I keep not going to Daniel. Sorry. I got into why, and I started thinking about stuff, and I just want to share some stuff that I feel like is really important for us right now and is going to be uh, really important for us coming up here at the Vineyard um, because um, lots of stuff is going to change around here. Uh, Lots of stuff has been changing in the last year or so, and lots of stuff is going to change even more. Uh, One of the things I just want to tell you pastorally is if you're not comfortable with change, if you you have a romantic feeling about the way this church has been in the past, you may not like the way this church is going to be in the future. 
uh, because get ready, lots of things are going to change. And so I want to sow into this just a few weeks to try to help us get ready for some of the ways that I feel like uh, change is coming our, our direction. And these are all changes that God is inviting us into. Uh, God is really sweet. He, he, he won't make us change if we want to be uh, traditionalists and, and fizzle out doing the same old things the way we've always done them. He is more than content to allow us to do that. But if we would like to keep up with him, then he's inviting us to change. And so that's really where we're at. Uh, a lot of the ways that we've done things, a lot of the ways that we've been, and a lot of the things that we've anchored ourselves onto in the past are not going to be the things that we are, uh, that we continue to do or go forward with. Uh, we're going to we're going to see some things change. And the reason that we're going to see some things change is because of the people who are sitting in the room right now. Um, what we have sitting in the room right now um, is becoming more and more apparent to me all the time is that we have a dramatic group of, of pioneers sitting in the room, uh, people who are not content to do the same old things, people who are only content with venturing out into new territories, into new, new places, new geographies, uh, actual geogra- geographic areas, and then new geographies in, in, in social culture. And uh, these are the things that God is inviting us into. Uh, one of my favorite things about getting to be the pastor of this church and getting to come here and speak to you every single week is that um, every single time I stand up, I'm standing in front of really smart world changers, you know. And uh, what we want to do is we want to, take the, we want to take the top off of that even more. And as a leadership here at the venue, we want to give permission to people to go and do the thing that's in their heart, to, to go and do the thing that God has, has laid upon your life. And um, so we're going to do that more. Amen? Yeah. Amen. So what I want to do this morning is I want to talk to you about some things that I talk to you about all the time, and then we're going to add a little something to it right in the end. Is that okay? Uh, so if you're new, um, you need to pay attention because this is Vineyard 101 stuff. This is really my life message. This is the one thing that I will talk about whenever I talk about anything. And I want to talk to you uh, this morning, beginning with um, the presence of God. Our, our number one value here at this local vineyard church is, is the presence of God. We've got a banner hanging in the back. It is our first banner on the left, and it is our first banner on the left because it's our most important banner. Every single banner that precedes it to the right flows out of the first banner on the left, and it's the presence of God. And when we're talking about the presence of God, I always have to say what we're not talking about. What we're not talking about is strictly theological concepts of God is everywhere all the time. That is a true statement, but it is highly inefficient at keeping a person's life vibrant and alive. Just a theological understanding that God is everywhere all the time. Here at the Vineyard, we, we are people who want to encounter the God who is everywhere all the time. One of the questions that I put before you all the time is this, is what good is it to know that God is everywhere all the time, but not encounter the God who's everywhere all the time? It's sort of ridiculous. And um, so it's just our number one value uh, that God is among his people. Um, and I talk about it pretty much every Sunday, at least indirectly, for a couple reasons. The first reason I talk about it is because it's the absolute foundation for all of life. Like, if you want to live real life, you have to live life with God. Not the idea of God. You have to live life with God. You have to live life in the face of God. Not with the idea of God. Not knowing facts about God, but actually living life with Him. It's the foundation of all of life. He spoke all of life into existence. Everything that is came from Him. So if you want to live real life, you have to go live with the author of everything that is true and right and good. Amen? 
So it's the reason that the, that the presence of God is so important to us. The second reason that we talk about the presence of God so much here at the Vineyard is very simple, because it's the most unknown aspect of God in the church. It is the most unknown aspect of God in the church. The actual, tangible, presence, felt love of Jesus. It is the message of the church that is the absolute, most unknown aspect of God in the church. I can say that with some confidence after being in leadership in churches for over 15 years and knowing Jesus for the better part of 25 years. I can tell you that the the great sickness that the American church is afflicted with is a theology of God that they do not know. And it's an absolute irony because David says in Psalm 139, verse 7, he says, where can I go to escape from your presence? And then he goes on for about 14 verses and the implication is I can't go anywhere. Yet most people in the American church have never encountered. They don't, they don't know God here. They know a few ideas here, but they don't know Him here. The third reason that it's such a big deal here at the Vineyard is because far from being a person, God has become an idea. He's become a concept. And there is a major problem with ideas. I want to tell you a few of the problems with ideas. The real problem with ideas is this. I'm the boss of my ideas. I'm, I get to be the master of my ideas. If I don't like a concept, if I don't like an idea, I change it. And so ideas serve me. And this is the problem with a God who has become mostly a concept and mostly an idea rather than a person. What we have is a God who serves me. And if I don't like it, I just change him. The reason that it happens this way is, is very simple. It's because it feels like I'm the source of the ideas that I have. It feels like I'm the fountain of all the ideas that I have. And so if I'm the source and if I'm the fountain, if I don't like them, I'll just change them. This includes my opinions of God. The other problem with with concepts and ideas is this. I don't know if you've noticed this or not, but principles, apart from the manifest presence of God, will wreck your life. You can live your life on biblical principles and wreck your life. That's a very inflammatory statement for some people. Just look around. There are all kinds of people who are living their life based upon biblical principles, wrecking it left and right. And the reason is they have put more trust in a principle than they have a person. It's the problem with principles. It's easy to trust them. Principles will wreck your life apart from presence. And the other problem with ideas, the fourth problem, and one of the biggest problems with ideas, is that when God becomes not a person, when He becomes an idea and a concept, it favors the smart and the intellectual. And it becomes an academic game for people who have their wits about them. My question at that point is, well, what about, what about the rest of us? What about me? I don't know if you know this yet or not. You have a dumb pastor. See, I need, I need God to be a person, and I don't need Him to be an idea because pretty soon the ideas get beyond my, my ability to comprehend them and manage them. And so I have to dumb down the ideas, limit God. But God if, if God is a person, then He's open and available to everything, to everyone. And then the fourth reason that the presence of God is such a big deal to me in particular and to this church is because God is a person, and not only is He a person, but He's good. 
He's really, really good. You need to encounter the presence of God because until you encounter the presence of God, you won't get to encounter the kindness and the affections of God. God is just an idea. Ideas are always cold, by the way. A father is never cold. The reason that people most commonly live life afflicted with a lukewarm faith is because they've never encountered the affections, the fiery affections of the Father. See, God is a person. He, he, he is doing everything in His power to, to reveal Himself and make Himself known to you. He is a loving and a kind and a good Father. He is kind. He is good. He is so, so good. And we're made to know Him by experience. We're made to know Him by experience. We're made to know His goodness. And as we come under, as we come into knowing His goodness, as we come into knowing His kindness and, aff- and affection, we begin to lay our life down to Him. You know why people are rebellious towards the Lord? The number one, people, the number one reason that people are rebellious towards the Lord is because they don't really see the Lord. I've seen this more and more um, as I've lived life with Jesus. The number one people, the number one reason that people uh, are rebellious and run away from Jesus is because they really can't see Jesus. Most people who see the Lord even a little bit will turn their life to Him and lay down before Him. There's a few rebels who won't, but they are way in the minority. When you see God and you see His goodness, when you feel His, when you feel the affections of God, the way He feels over you on your life and in your heart. Oh my gosh, you just lay down right before him. You, you, will, you will lay straight down and let the kingdom of heaven come under you. You will, you will say, God, it is totally fine for you to be the boss of my life. I don't have to be the boss of my life anymore. You can't. Those are four quick reasons for why the presence of God is such a big deal to us. Um, and because of that, uh, we recognize around here, we recognize the distinct possibility of simply learning facts about God apart from knowing him. We, we recognize and we oftentimes talk about around here that it's entirely possible to know facts about God without actually knowing Him. You know what they call people who know facts about people they don't really know? Stalkers. It's, it's, in, it's entirely possible. <laughs> it's true, right? But we affirm around here that it's entirely possible to know facts about God without actually knowing Him. I know all kinds of facts about Barack Obama. I know he lives in the White House. I know his address is 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. I know he has two girls. I know that in his downtime, he likes to smoke cigarettes and shoot shoot basketball. I know all kinds of facts about Barack Obama. doesn't mean I know Barack Obama. Actually, at all. So because of that, um, we reject this tendency to simply know facts about God because it really isn't life at all. Just knowing a few facts about God really isn't life at all. It's actually miserable. Simply knowing a few facts isn't life at all because life is actually looking into the face of God. Uh, the book of First John says that it, when we see Him, we'll be like Him. That's what life is. Life is always about looking God right in the face. Uh, We reject this tendency to simply know facts about God 
because it creates a false sense of security. Um, Here's how it creates a false sense of security. It creates a false sense of security because my safety and security becomes based upon my ability to grasp facts and my trust rests in my ability to know a few facts about God rather than simply trusting a person. Simply trusting a man, Jesus Christ. Some of us are in the, in the fact game right now. I'm blowing it to bits. The only security in life is in knowing a person. Like you can not know any facts about Jesus. You can encounter him and begin to put your trust into him. This much, you're way more secure than the guy who has the whole Bible memorized. Way more secure. Simply knowing facts begins to actually put more trust in ourselves. We begin to trust our ability to know facts. Our ability to memorize and know a few things. And we reject this idea because it distorts God, it makes Him an idea, and it makes Him ultimately a principle that serves me rather than a father whom I lay my life down for. See, God has designed everybody in this room to know Him. You're you're perfectly constructed to know God. I, I know it sometimes feels like we're not, but you're actually perfectly constructed to know God. You've been designed in such a magnificent way that everybody in here can know God and you can know Him at this deep, rich, and intimate level. Um, There's an Old Testament word for knowing as it relates to God. It's in Psalm 100, verse 3. We can put that up. There it is. Know that the Lord is God. It is He who made us and we are His. We are His people, the sheep of His pasture. That word know right there in in verse 3 is this Hebrew word yada, and it means to know by experience. If you want to in your Bible, you can flip over to Genesis chapter 4, verse 1. It says that Adam, this is after he lost his, one of his sons, it says Adam knew his wife. He lay with his wife and he knew her and she conceived and gave birth to Seth. Y'all remember that? Same word. It's to know by intimate experience. You know how you're, you're, you were created perfectly to know God as intimately as a man knows a woman. Even right now, you were created to know Him that well. Um, We're made to know Him not by facts, but we're made to know Him by experience. Um, The Bible goes on to say uh, this as well. It says, taste and see that the Lord is good. How do you know that the Lord is good? By tasting, by experience. It's the experience of who who He is that leads you to knowing that He is good. All of these reasons are why here at the Vineyard, um, we will let the worship breathe a little bit. Have you all noticed that sometimes we just let it just chill? Like, we'll just let it roll? Sometimes sometimes new people come in, they're like, man, it's like, worship's a little long. Yeah, I know. Um, And the reason that it's a little bit long is because you were made to know God by experience. You were made to live in His face. And sometimes it takes more than 17 minutes to get in the face of God. Sometimes it takes me a song and a half just to get, like, in the room. Like, I'm oftentimes having an out-of-body experience. And it takes a a song and a half to get me out of the week and into the moment, into the now, standing before God. You were made to know Him right there. It's one of the reasons we love worship. It's one of the reasons that we're going to let worship roll just a little bit. Um, It's the reason that sometimes we will spontaneously change the meeting. Uh, the reason that we will sometimes spontaneously change the meeting is because 
him and his his presence and what he prefers in the morning is way more important than uh, agenda or anything we've planned. You know, we just, it doesn't matter. Like we always prepare. We never, we never don't prepare. We always have some sort of a game plan. But if God is preferring something in the moment and it becomes obviously the leadership, we will always go for that. Like the message doesn't matter if God is in worship in a unique way. It just doesn't matter. That's why we always yield, uh, always yield the agenda to him. Um, just from a personal spot, I can't even begin to tell you um, how dramatic it was in my own life when I began to realize that God was near and that he really loved me. When, when the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob became my God, like I, I read it for years, but then one day I'm reading the Bible and suddenly the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob becomes the God of Adam. It's a profound difference. I, I can't even begin to tell you um, about how smashed I was on the day. I can remember the day I'm sitting in my room and I'm reading the Bible and God whispers to me in that moment, Adam, I love you. You're a man after my own heart. You know, it's like not just David, but me, you know, that's how it feels about me. It's a profound difference. Um, It's those moments like when that began to happen, it was like the sun came up on my life for the very first time. Some of you all know what I'm talking about. And this is where real life gets lived. It's like. It's like I stepped out of just following like Christian rules or whatever, and stepped into knowing and loving a person. So different. So much better. It's the reason why we often call ourselves here at the Vineyard Presence people. Now I want to talk to you a little bit about the trouble with being a presence person. The trouble with being a presence person is there's something that can happen if we don't watch it. And one of the things that can happen when you become a presence person, when you become a person who pursues knowing God intimately, one of the things that can happen is you can become you can become a bit inward and you can become a bit introverted. Some of you all know what I'm talking about. And what happens is this we begin to see God as, uh, as ultimately a private affair. Some people have left the church because they've had a dramatic encounter with the Lord and in pursuing a dramatic encounter with the Lord and in pursuing intimacy with God, they have found intimacy with God and in pursuing intimacy and in finding intimacy with God, they found it to be a private affair and because of that, they simply left the church because the church is where all the problems are. I know about this because I've been tempted to do it myself. (laughs) So we sometimes can see when we become presence people, one of the dangers there is that we can see, see pursuing God at this level as as an utterly private affair. And, and we become so preoccupied with our next God encounter, whether it be in worship or study or in a meeting that a certain kind of blinders begin to fall on our eyes. And this is the blinders that that begin to fall on our eyes. We look for him 
and we begin to look for him specifically in the ways that he has come to us and touched us and spoken to us in the past. So if we've, if we've had a profound encounter with God in worship, we will tend to go to worship and want to live a life in worship to find God. And we end up, one of the things we do, and this is silent and we're not even a lot of times aware of it, but we begin to limit God to worship. And we will, we will say, God, you, I want you to come to me, but I want you to come to me in worship. You can, cause you've, I've encountered you there and you can come to me in worship. And so all of a sudden God becomes a, a God becomes a slave of our own history with him. It becomes more and more private, more and more isolated. And our own history with God begins to block us from our future with God. Does this make sense? Uh, And this is scriptural as well. Um, This is Luke chapter 4. Jesus goes to his hometown. He opens up the book of Isaiah. Says, the spirit of the Lord's on me. Blind eyes. Ah. Y'all know the passage. And everyone's like, that's incredible. Isn't this the carpenter's son? Translation on that is, don't we have his coffee table at our house? And then it says they got offended at him and they drove him out of town and they were going to throw him off a cliff to kill him. What happened there? The old Jesus was keeping him from meeting the new Jesus. So sometimes what happens, especially with presence people, sometimes what happens is our history with Jesus actually keeps us from going on with our future in Jesus. Because we've limited him to these little areas right here. We've limited him to these certain ways. So sometimes God's available in a new way, but we're looking for him based upon how he came to us at a conference or in church or in worship or in that one man's ministry that we were touched in one time or in that one place when we flew across the country and had a really great meeting. The real trouble with all that is all the while God's doing something different. He's going someplace new and he's going there in a new way. told you guys to open up to Matthew 24 and I didn't even do it. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah, one of the places that we we always meet the Lord here at the vineyard is in worship. Uh it's like our it's like our go-to spot here at the vineyard. We're we're presence people here at the vineyard and because of that we're worship people here at the vineyard. We let it roll because when, we, when you just come to God in worship, He always comes back. When we sing to Him, like that Zechariah 3 thing kicks in, He starts singing back. And it's not sometimes, it's actually all the time, okay? But one of the things that I want to encourage us here is this, is that God is actually doing more than what's happening in the room at worship. And God is available to us in more places than just here on Sunday mornings for the 35 or 40 minutes that we sing. In Matthew chapter 28, um, verse 20, one of the great promises in Scripture, I love it because it's actually a, it's a presence promise. It's a PP. (laughs) 
Jesus says, and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Everybody in the room recognize that's a presence promise? Hmm. Good. We're presence people. I read Matthew 28, verse 20. I instantly recognize that's a presence promise. My heart leaps, right? Yes! I'm with you even to the end of the age. And I'm going, yes, man, let's sign me up. More time with precious Jesus. Um, but it's also important for us here at the Vineyard to recognize the context of this presence promise in Matthew 28 and the context of this presence promise in Matthew 28, because you guys are Bible scholars and you already know this, is that Jesus is sending the 12 out and this is the Great Commission, right? So in verse 18, Jesus came to them and he said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, you need to go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So the promise comes with a command. Everybody recognize that? Jesus' presence promise comes with a command. And Jesus' presence promise that comes with a command comes with a command for the church to be a going and extending, a pioneering church that's on the move with Him. Like if you want to stay in step with Jesus, if we want to continue to be presence people here at the Vineyard, one of the things that God is asking of us in a new and a dynamic way is to become people who are interested in exploring new territories and planting the gospel in new geographic areas. Where's the presence of Jesus? It's in the going. I'd like to suggest this morning that to the degree that we go is the degree that in a very real way that we will be with Jesus. This shouldn't surprise us because Jesus is always on the move. He left heaven, born as a man in the flesh. Jesus is always on the move. He said of himself, I leave the 99, I go and chase the one, right? Jesus is always on the move. He, he, he was born a man. He leaves the 99. He's always going to find the one. He's always looking for the lost and the broken. And one of the things that I want to challenge this church with again is that uh, Jesus has, in fact, left the building. Uh, one of the things that we've noticed for the past few years is that more, more of what Jesus is doing is happening outside of this room than is happening on the inside of this room. I've seen more people get healed at my store than I have here. Most of the people who come to know Jesus in this fellowship, it happens on a Wednesday night at somebody's house and not necessarily on a Sunday morning right here. Why? Because Jesus is on the move. The presence of God is like, it's it's moving and he's inviting us again. So to value the presence of God is to value his mission. Like, if you want to be a presence person, it means that we become mission people. And the mission is to go make disciples out of the nations. Not just your neighbor, but to the nations. One of the keys on all this is that we need to lift our vision beyond just our, our neighbor, and we need to make it nations. One of the things I'm asking you guys this morning is I'm asking you to lift your vision to a broader horizon. And I'm asking, 
I'm asking people to consider being a pioneer and to go into a new territory. I'm asking this church to consider doing something brand new. I would like to suggest that everybody in the room needs to do something brand new. Everybody in the room needs to do something brand new. Jesus taught this parable. One of my favorite parables It's a tiny parable. It's the parable of the, of the yeast. Jesus said, a little bit of yeast inside the dough leavens the whole thing and it rises. By implication, everybody in here should be changing. Your whole life, by implication, everybody in here should be changing. Jesus is asking everybody in here to change. Jesus is asking everybody in here to consider doing something new. Like if you've done the same thing for 15 years and you haven't changed, I would like to suggest you haven't been in step with the Lord Jesus in the way that he's asking and inviting you to. I'd like to ask the whole church to break out of the ruts of thinking that knowing God is for me and break into a new stream of thinking that knowing God means me being a messenger to a new domain and a new territory. I'm asking this church to consider the possibility of becoming matchmakers for geographies that yet don't know the kingdom of heaven, who know a few facts about God but have never stood in front of God face to face and have never felt the goodness of God and the goodness of the kingdom of heaven break into their lives. One of my favorite stories is in the book of Exodus. It's Exodus 33. A lot of you all remember this story. This is the story of Moses and Joshua. Um, and they go into the tent of meeting, and it says that Moses meets with God face-to-face as a man talks to his friend. It's one of my favorite scriptures. It's my, one of my favorite scriptures because it's a present scripture. It says that Moses would go in a tent, cloud would come down. And he would go in, and God would talk to him face-to-face like a man would talk to his friend presence but it's not just presence it's more than presence it's actually it's actually a mission god says to moses i want you to lead my people but i'm not going to go with you moses goes into the tent of meeting cloud comes down moses says to god if you're not going with me then i'm not going god says okay i reconsider i will go with you See, anybody who goes into the presence of God always has the mission of God land on them. Like if you go into the tent of meeting, the mission of God will always, always, always fall on you. Like you can't say you're a presence person. You can't say I'm a person who's, who's soaked in prayer and worship in the presence of God and not have the mission of God fall on you at some point in your life. It will always fall on you. Like if you go and get in the presence of God, a pioneer spirit will always fall on somebody. It will always fall on somebody. If you get in the presence of God, a a do-something-new spirit will always fall on you. And so if you're a presence person, you'll always also be a mission person. If you encounter God, you're going to eventually encounter the world. went on vacation started getting touched by God again it's really great but in a in a in a really uh, in a really new way God is inviting um, is inviting everybody here uh, to consider things 
for their life that they've never considered before. Um, God is inviting people here to consider the possibility that he could do something with you that you have thought was totally allocated for better people. Um, I felt like one of the things I needed to declare over the church this morning was this very simple thing, that is that God does not need experts. He's not looking for experts. It's one of the clearest things he spoke to me while I was on vacation. I am not looking for experts. He's, he's looking for simple people who will say yes. That's it. You don't have to know anything. You can be dumb. Total, total idiot. See, I take great comfort in that. God is not looking for experts. Um, right now, I really felt like a call is going out to our church, and the call is to disciple nations. Uh, a call is going out to our church for people who would, would be willing to see a whole region transformed to the kindness and the goodness of God. Like, imagine our region if the kindness and the goodness of the kingdom of heaven showed up tomorrow morning. What would it be like? What would be different? Whatever is different is what you're called to. Like, who, who is willing to go to a new place to plant the gospel? Uh, I feel like a call is going out right now for pioneers. Um, even when I say the word pioneer, it falls on some of you, and it, like, strikes your heart in a, in a strange way, and you go, oh, it's me. God. <laughs> Some of you are utterly bored and you can't figure out why you're bored. And the reason that you're bored is that you've been doing the same thing for too long and God's asking you to come and do a new thing. I feel like God is also placing a call out to our church for people to leave what they do know and step into what you do not know. There's a call going out to our church right now to love the world. There's a call going out to our church right now to be true presence people, people who are willing to move with the cloud, willing to move with the good shepherd. Right now there's a call going out to the church, and it's to change and to do a new thing. The good news is, is that for everybody who's willing to do a new thing and go in a new direction, Jesus will go with you. See, we're presence people. We're pioneer people. Um, I want to share with you just a couple things that our staff and, and leadership has really been feeling from the Lord for better part of this year. Um, some of you guys know this, some of you don't. And I really haven't talked about it on a Sunday morning yet just now feeling somewhat released to talk about it. Um, God is asking our church, and he's given us a vision here at the Vineyard, to plant, uh, to plant a church, to plant the gospel in every city in Kentucky with a university. I feel like we have a unique, we have, we're being invited by the Lord to plant a vineyard and to plant, a gospel, plant the gospel of the kingdom of heaven into every Kentucky city with the university. Now, I have no idea how we're going to do that, other than I know it's what we're supposed to do, and it's what we are going to do. 
Um, we feel like one of the first areas that the Lord is inviting us into is Adair County and Columbia. And we don't have a timetable. We don't know who's going. We don't know how we're going to do it. We don't know anything. We just know that we have a great big map and God is asking us to do something and make the prototype in Columbia. And even now, God is laying on a few people's hearts to be pioneers and to be willing to leave a comfortable place and go into an uncomfortable place for the sake of people who are oppressed and want and need to be free to experience the goodness of God. Uh, While I was on vacation, the Lord spoke to me one morning, um, about as clear as he spoke to me in two years, and the Lord said, Adam, if the vineyard will subtract and divide, I will multiply. And this doesn't have to do, this is not about... um, uh, money resources this is about human resources and it's about being open-handed with people and it's about it's about us as a church being willing to not worry about being uh the biggest or the best the biggest or the best thing in town and to be open with our very best people and say uh basically god's inviting us into this place of if we will be willing to turn our very best and our most favorite people loose to a new community, God has promised to multiply, both here and there. And uh, one of the things uh, that I just want to, one of the reasons I want to share this with you guys is I know that God is placing um, boredom and a pioneering heart in people to do something new. And a lot of this uh, is going to have to do with people who are in the room right now, uh, and and even people who are on vacation right now, are going to be willing and wanting to move where the cloud is going. And one of the places that the cloud is leading this church is he's leading us to cities in Kentucky that have a university. I just want to put that out there. Nobody has to go, but God's inviting people into that. Does that make sense? Yeah, he's, he's spoken clearly over, over our church that if we will be willing to subtract and divide, that he's going to multiply. And this has to do with all levels of ministry. And I, I really want to hit on this thing of uh, God does not need experts. Uh, God does not need experts to plant the gospel into a community. Uh, you do not need a degree of any sort or variety to be qualified to preach and to proclaim the gospel to people who need the kingdom of heaven to come upon them. You do not need to go to seminary. In fact, you probably don't need to go to seminary. Um, We're not anti-intellectual here at the Vineyard. We're not anti-seminary. We're not anti-college. But one of the things that has been shown in church history is that every single time a denomination creates a denominational seminary, the movement dies. And the reason that it dies is because there becomes a distinctive between uh, the laity and the leadership of the church and a professionalism comes upon the church. And when it becomes professional, it feels like for the regular people who are a part of the church, it feels like they're unqualified. When people feel unqualified, they quit taking risks. And I want to tell you, one of the things that God wants to do in Kentucky is he wants to do things with completely unqualified people who are radically anointed by the Spirit. And so that's what God's inviting this church into he's inviting us into uh something we don't know how to do we've never even done it and he's inviting us into a place of sending radically unqualified unskilled people out to do an impossible task 
it's really ironic because one of the things the Lord keeps speaking to me about this one particular subject is it's not about experts and he's asking us to go plant churches in college towns. I continually find the irony in that hysterical. Yeah. But all we have to do is go with the cloud. That's all we have to do. There's no pressure. There's none of this. 200 churches by 2020. None of that. No, just let's, let's follow the cloud and be willing to take a risk to do a new thing. Can I tell you what? Home is not a geography. Home is a person. Like if you got the Lord, you're home. You're you're totally great. Okay, I think I've stirred up enough. I'm stirred up. Uh, why don't you stand up? I want to pray for you. Hey, if you want to, just put your hand on your heart. Put your other hand on someone. Appropriately. I've always feel the need to add that. In this day and age. <laughs> yeah, let me, let me just pray for you. And uh, we're just going to pray that God would unlock our hearts and give us courage and boldness to do something new. Father, thanks for your church. Frank, thanks for this really strange and amazing group of people that you've brought together. Um, and Father, right now, I ask that you would unlock in our hearts uh, your vision for Kentucky. God, I ask that you would lay it on us. God, I ask that, that your heart for Kentucky would begin to fall on us. God, I ask that, that your intention would begin to touch us. God, I ask that we would get your vision, that we would see like you see. And Father, right now, uh, in, the, in the name of Jesus, I ask that a pioneering spirit would fall on your whole church. God, I ask that a pioneering spirit would fall on qualified and unqualified women and men. God, I ask that, uh, that an anointing to preach the good news of the gospel of the kingdom of heaven would fall on men and women. Uh, and even right now, God, I ask that people would begin to have dreams and visions about doing things they never considered in their life. God, I ask that people who are 100% completely and thoroughly settled would become unsettled. Father, I ask that you would give us an adventurous heart again. Father, I ask that the spirit of Lewis and Clark would fall on your church to go and take, uh, to go and take your gospel into a new place, to go and take your your good news into a new geography. Father, I ask that you would, uh, even, even now, God, that you would uh, raise up in this little church, God, that you would raise up Lewis and Clark and uh, Sacagawea and <laughs> every other person who should be named in history, whoever did a great thing. Father, I ask that you would give us dreams and visions 
God, I ask that you would give us strategy. Father, you said that your church is built upon the foundation of apostles and prophets. So, God, we ask that an apostolic spirit that is wanting something more would fall on your church. And, God, we ask that prophetic strategy would come alongside, that Kentucky could know the goodness of the Father. God, I ask that boldness and courage would come upon uh, meek and humble people. Uh, God, I ask that people who think in their heart uh, for most of their lives that I can't do it, I ask that I can do it would begin to come in their heart. Father, I ask that they would hear your voice say, you can do it, you will do it. Thank you, Lord. Thanks, Jesus. Amen. 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 Here's what we're going to do this morning. If you are sick in your body at all, ministry team, y'all can come on up. If you're sick in your body at all, we want you to come forward and get some prayer. If, uh, if you are just at the bottom of the bucket in life and you need somebody to stand with you uh, in prayer, then we want you to come forward and receive prayer. If you are stirred up uh, by the notion of being a pioneer and you just want to say, God, would you, would you touch me in that? I want to invite you up that the ministry team could minister with you this morning as well. Uh, otherwise, go in peace, high-five somebody, and uh, give a hug. Amen.